0: we're going to continue on in the sermon Series, Prepare the Way. This is the second of three uh, that we're covering today. And um, today is kind of over John uh, the Baptist and him preparing the way and the way that John prepares um, how everything is going to be going forward and how he points everyone back to Jesus. Uh, and he just shows us what it truly looks like to be a uh, disciple. And I uh, love the story. I uh, love every aspect of it. It uh, reminds me of At the previous church I was at, I was out baptizing a bunch of people one Sunday, and this little girl came up to me, and she said, you're John the Baptizer, and uh, it just made me laugh, made me smile, Um, and so whenever I see John the Baptist, I always think of John the Baptizer. And I just said, you know, it's my honor to be able to do this on behalf of God and the church and um, really of God. So it's fun to point it back to him um, and just made me smile. That little girl, she's about five years old, that came up to me and said that. So uh, it's awesome. Uh, So we're going to learn about discipleship. That's something here at Emerge that we want to make sure that we are focused on uh, and that we don't just rely on a Sunday uh, event a gathering for it to carry us throughout the entire week. We don't want you just to be coming in, consuming for that time period, and then just sitting on it. Yeah, you want you to sit on it, but we also want you to invest into your family, your friends, uh, your small group, and and all those that you come into contact, coworkers, whoever it may be. And so we're going to talk about discipleship throughout this um, because we want you to live and breathe everything. Uh, that Jesus has and does in and through you and so that we can just communicate it through and point everything back to him and that's that's why we're going to be reading um, this from John the Baptist because you'll see how he points everyone back Um, and you know we want you guys to have ownership in it. and just reminded me of this uh, little story or joke that I came across today Um, and I thought I'd just share it because it made me chuckle a little bit so one day there was a pig and a chicken walking down the road and um the chicken says to the pig hey pig i was thinking we should open up a restaurant the pig replies hmm maybe but what should we call it the chicken thinks and then responds how about bacon and eggs the pig said after thinking for just a few moments he says no thanks i'd be fully committed but you'd only be partially involved i thought that was kind of a a good little illustration there because you know we all want to have a bit of skin in the game Um, and be able to leave our mark on others and be able to push them towards Jesus. So we all have our own DNA. We have our own set of people that we can influence and come around. And um, we can just leave our mark, which is the mark of Jesus, on them. And so let's uh, go on here. We're going to start in uh, 1 John uh, as we're walking through the Gospels here. So if you want to open up to John 1, you can. Uh, right here, we see where John the Baptist is out baptizing people out in the Jordan River. It's a prominent area where it's like a major intersection where everyone's coming in and around. And um, he's out there and there's people coming to him to be baptized all the time. He's witnessing to him and um, he's just right there at the front. And so John the Baptist shows us some key points of how to be a true disciple uh, but also, in, before I get started in pulling this together, I remember what I said last week about apostles and disciples, and I kind of wanted to explain that just a little bit more because I know I didn't make it very clear. Uh, and I also just want to make it a little more clear to you guys. So um, when you look at the term apostle and disciple, they're used in conjunction together. So you'll see them used in one way or shape or form in the same, but they're really not. You see the disciples are ones that are called by Jesus that are called into a relationship with him and um, will be discipled by him, but where apostles were the ones that were sent out. So they're sent out to give and spread the good news. And and that's the real variation, the difference between the two, because um, it's the sending out of the apostles. So you'll see that the 12 disciples are, should we say 13, because Judas dropped off and then um, we added in the other one. But you've got where the Disciples were called and then they were sent out. And so that's why they were called the apostles. And it, you can see that in Mark 3, 14. Um, and then it says, then he appointed the 12 whom he also named apostles, uh, that they might be with him and that, that he might send them out to preach and to have the power to heal his sickness and to cast out demons. Uh, so I'll talk a little bit more about disciples at the back end of it as far as how it still applies to us today. But if you want to start at uh, John one 19, I'll open up my Bible here and we'll start reading. So John 1.19, it says, Now this was John's testimony, as in John the Baptist, when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. So you see here at the beginning that John the Baptist is pointing everyone back to Jesus uh, and continuing just to keep them going towards Jesus and not fall on his eyes, fall their eyes on him as anybody else. So they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer so we can take back to those who sent us. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. So love that. He's pointing back to Isaiah 43 right here. It says, I am the voice of the one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. So what he's doing there is he's utilizing scripture, which these Pharisees already know to point them back to what is already being foretold of what's coming. Uh, So he's continuing to point them back and towards Jesus and not himself. But he was referring to himself in this aspect of being the one out, calling and uh, making the way straight for the Lord. Uh, So verse 24, it says, Now some Pharisees who had been sent question him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? He says, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And this all happened at Bethany at the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. So continuing on verse 29, the next day, John was, uh, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. Now, Right there, John the Baptist was just saying that he didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah until after the baptism of Jesus. So that's why he's saying that I myself did not know him. Um, but the reason that I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave his testimony. I saw a spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I have testified to this. Now here's a, right here, starting off into um, verse 35 is um, another one of these key aspects of John and discipleship and pushing others towards Jesus. It says, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by and he said again, look, the Lamb of God, When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, come and you will see. So they went there and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. And it was about the 10th hour or four o'clock, as some people say. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard that John, heard of what John had said. And who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John, and you will be called Cephas, which then translated as Peter. So when we say um, in this little area right here in these verses, it said that there's two disciples, Andrew, and the other one wasn't named. Um, It is believed that that is John. Um, who was the author of this book. So John the Apostle was the one of the two that stopped following John the Baptist and started following Jesus. Now fast forward, uh, if you're in the Bible app, you already see it there, but if you go to um, John 3, we're going to finish it out here with a, a couple verses here in chapter 3 of John, John 3, verse 22. So after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing at near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put to death or put in prison and then ultimately to death and that would be John the Baptist for clarification. Uh, Verse 25 An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, so that again, that was a, just a standard term of teacher, not calling him an equal to Jesus, but he was their teacher, he was their disciple, and so they called him rabbi out of respect and honor. Um, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, a man can receive only what is given from heaven. You, are, sir, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I'm sent ahead of you. I love this illustration that he gives. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. So he's taking that time to say, you know, it's just like a wedding. And the true joy you have for your own friend to be married and seeing that coming into fruition uh, and, and being able to celebrate with them. So it's a great visual that he provided for them. Now let's finish out 31 through 35, and then we'll get into some points here. So 31, uh, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, and no one, uh, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives a spirit without limit. That's awesome. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Strong words to finish that out, huh? Well, this is a great start and view of discipleship. Uh, discipleship is an ongoing process and just one of the things that John the Baptist does very well, and he's continuing to point his disciples to Jesus. I just love how he says, look, the Lamb of God, and then he lets his disciples freely follow him and, and follow Jesus and, and is not offended. So he's done his job of spending time with them, and he's pointing them to Jesus the whole time, and he's able just to put them into Jesus' hands, which is just truly what discipleship looks like because you want to invest in people and send them off so that they can do the same thing and continue that relationship with Jesus. So discipleship is an important job for all of us. Uh, In fact, the Bible uses the word disciple 269 times. In the Gospels, you'll see it 231 times, which is crazy. Uh, I saw a Dallas Willard quote, and um, I thought it was quite, um, quite appropriate. It says, the New Testament is a book about disciples, by disciples, and for disciples. So these 12 disciples symbolize the claim of Jesus on all of Israel. Did you catch that? The 12 and 12? The 12 tribes? The 12 disciples? Um, his non-exclusive movement towards the whole nation. So he's trying to spread um, his good news across the, the entire nation. That was, the start of the 12 can be understood as a symbolic act that suits the appearance and proclamation of Jesus well. They were chosen by Jesus out of that crowd. You see, there are twelve disciples mentioned, but also, if you look in some other of the gospels, it'll mention that there were it later extended into seventy and seventy-two disciples, um, depending on which book that you're looking at. And so, they included women in there, and the, some of the women were even more committed than the actual disciples or the apostles. They're the first ones to go back to the grave um, to to see Jesus on the day after the resurrection. Um, so it, it's uh, it's kind of crazy that the women are uh, more focused and more trusting and knowing and going back to the source than what the, the apostles were because they ran and hid where these women went straight there. Uh, let's go on. The Gospel of John especially stresses the conversion of the disciple John to Jesus. So the conversions and, and pe- pushing people from John to Jesus. Everything depends on remaining in the word of Jesus and on the living relationship with Jesus. The term disciple becomes synonymous with those who believe and confess that Jesus is the Messiah. It's reflected in Acts, where the term is regularly referred to as the believers in Christ, as it still does today. So that's why we're called disciples, Uh, regardless whether one had known Jesus during his earthly ministry, is what it was back then. Uh, So the Gospels describe how Jesus called disciples to follow him, and many of them came from villages in Galilee, especially Capernaum and Bethsaida. And they had a diverse background, including fishermen, tax collectors, revolutionaries. So you can see how God is just discipling to multiple areas so that they can influence those that are around them that they're part of. So people are called to influence, and you have a a sphere around you. Most people say six to seven people that are in your sphere that you can influence, uh, depending on your occupation, your relationships, who you are. But God's designed you uniquely. Put the DNA in you to be able to connect with others. And so um, that's, what, that's what we're called to do, is to be disciples and to reach others. Um, if you look back at the disciples back in the day, they were equipped only with the bare essentials. Uh, and they were to remain dependent on the goodwill of God. That was from Mark. Uh, their equipment would be a reflection of the gospel itself. And um, so really, it's just leaning in on Jesus, following him and trusting him. So how do you become disciple makers? What can we learn from all this? Uh, This is something that we can and should do with our kids, our friends, our coworkers. So I listed out a few of these uh, points down here, which you can take some additional notes if you want. Um, But the first one is it's a heart matter. Now I'm gonna go through a few other points here underneath it being the heart matter um, to become a disciple and to be a disciple. Uh, So the first one is just we need to love Jesus and point others to him constantly. As John the Baptist said and did, um, Jesus must become greater and I must become less. So as a disciple, we have to have a love for Jesus and love for others, but always continue to point those people to others, uh, to Jesus and not to ourselves. Uh, and so we just continue to come along with that type of mentality. We need to love others, build relationships, invest in them, spend time with them. Like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, we're all uniquely designed to be able to influence others around us. And so we just need to utilize that circle to be able to disciple and lead them to Jesus, um, because that's who we are. Uh, number two is to remain steadily there. So we just need to remain resolute in it. We need to continue on. Don't worry if you do or say the wrong thing, it doesn't matter because we're doing what God has called us. So don't get hung up on saying the wrong things. Kind of like I did last week and call our church the wrong church. Um, you know, I can laugh at myself. <laughs> no, it hurt, but it was still, it was wrong, but it was still pointing us in the right direction, um, ultimately. So I fixed it. I didn't say it this week. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but be resolute in it. Continue on. Don't worry if you say the wrong thing. Uh, you just need to be consistent uh, daily, by daily, weekly, um, you know, continue just to just be consistent in what you're doing and who you're investing in. So like I I don't know if you guys remember Reuben um, that I've just kind of brought underneath my wing and continued to lift him up. So I'm not doing it every single day and pointing him in the right direction. It's weekly. Sometimes it's every two weeks that he and I will text back and forth, but it was through that relationship of meeting with him a few times uh, and pointing him to Jesus, helping him to learn and understand. that I was ultimately able to baptize him and make him a true follower of Christ And so now, even since he's been baptized, he still has questions. He still has items that he's battling with, prayer that he needs, just like all of us. And so he keeps coming back to me with different things as time goes on. And that's what we're called to do. That's discipling. It's helping that person take their next steps. And so I'm just consistent with him. I give him the same message, continue to point him in the same direction each time. Uh, The third point within this uh, Remain steadily there would be to be present. You know that's really what it is. It's just being there. You know if you think about the disciples or the apostles, I should say, um, their time with Jesus. Let's do some rough math. I saw this from John Ordenberg. Says um, you could roughly say that those disciples had 10 hours per day, times 340 days. We'll say we gave them some days off throughout those um, those days or throughout those years, times of three years. That's 10,200 hours of discipleship with Jesus. Even though they had all those hours with Jesus, we still saw them falter, right? We still saw them be fearful when Jesus was hung on that cross. We saw them fearful when they were confronted by others, but they still knew and loved Jesus and ultimately pointed others to Jesus. But they made mistakes too. So regardless of how much we invest into others, we're still going to see them falter. That's, that's what the point is there. They we're going to see them struggle. They're going to have their bad days, their bad weeks, months, years, who knows. Um, so don't take it to heart when they do struggle or slip off. Um, and finally, point number three is grow together. We want to grow in your love of the word. Dig in deep, learn, challenge, question, teach those that you're discipling the word. Just go through it. Uh, continue to strive, take one step after another, get closer to Jesus, do ministry together. And it doesn't have to be ministry per se, be in the community, do small groups, just do life together, have meals together with those that you're trying to disciple and point in the right direction. So in all of this, um, you're just going to leave a mark. I saw this story about Disney and Pixar movies and um, it comes back to the Cal, um, make sure I'm saying Cal arts, California Institute of the arts. And they all leave their mark on all the videos, all the um, movies that they put out, either um, cartoons or in person. And um, they leave this mark called A113, and it points back to any of the Cal Arts alumnus. So if they worked on a film, they're gonna tie in this A113 into any of these Disney and Pixar movies that you see specifically. Um, so for instance, in Toy Story on Andy's mom's license plate, If you look at it, you'll see A113. It's a door number in Monsters University. It's a camera model under Finding Nemo. It's on a rat's ear tag in Ratatouille, Tule. And it's a train number in cars. And that's just a few of them. So that means that an artist that graduated from California Institute of Arts left their trademark, left their mark those films. You can even see it in in The Hunger Games and Mission Impossible. You'll see that A113 somewhere else. Uh, It's a digital calling card, a cinematic um, fingerprint. It's a message to the public that they were there. So what is your calling card? What is your fingerprint? What is your message to the public? How will you communicate it to the world? Those are things that you can kind of think of, like, what can we do? And Mitchell Mitchell Dillon suggests that and I agree that Jesus has a trademark number for us to consider. And that's John 13:35. So J1335 could be that trademark. Uh, and that verse is, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So just remember how John the Baptist kept pointing them all to Jesus. That's what we all need to do. Uh, we need to prepare the way and point others to Jesus all the time. So be prefer- prayerful as to who it is that's in your sphere um, and just write their names down. Likely God's been putting someone on your heart, on your mind during this time. Um, maybe you'll bring somebody in into it later. Maybe it's your small group of your family, whoever it may be, um, but just be consistent, be there and um, continue to invest into others. So let's just be praying for those that we'll reach out to in the weeks ahead. And um, also just down the line, if, if you really are, would love to learn more about discipleship. We're going to offer um, a small group about discipleship. Um, I've got someone that is passionate about discipling and would love to teach you how to do it. Um, And so he's pulling some stuff together and we'll be able to offer that as a Zoom offering uh, in the next couple of weeks, if you want to learn more about it and be a part of it. And um, you know, it's just, it's simple and it can be simple, or you can take it to the next level and learn more about how and when and where and why um, we do it. So that's it for now, guys. Um, I'm going to pray to close this out um, and um, just ask that you just join me in prayer right now. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for us being able to open up your word, helping helping us to open up your word and just to hear from you and to see you in a new way. Father, thank you for our freedoms to be able to be here and um, worship you through this virtual event and uh, online and through video. God, we just say thank you for this for our religious freedoms to be able to do that. Thank you for continuing to watch over each of our families and all of us around here. God, thank you for um, helping us just to realize that you are in control and everything and so God, in these um, these days that are uncertain uh, and, and that are questionable and that are challenging. And, you know, we have kids running around driving us crazy. We see the economy spiraling. God, help us just to see you. Um, it just reminds me of um, when Jesus is walking across the water and Peter walks out up with him and, you know, just help us to do that. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you. Help us to continue to look to you, uh, to trust you, um, and not grab our hands around everything. Just let our hands be open. Uh, open to receive what you have for us and open to give what you give through us. So uh, Jesus, just be with us today and always protect those that are on the front line um, during this coronavirus, Father God, Um, for every person that is in the hospitals that are in public safety. uh, God, I just ask that you just continue to watch over them. May there be guidance. May there be a uh, solution to uh, this coronavirus that they will bring a uh, vaccination and the riddance of this uh, in Jesus name. So, you know, all the details, you know, what it looks like, God, we're just pleading on behalf of you. We're coming to you humbly before you and saying, God, we love you. We trust you. We know you. And uh, we are depending fully and wholly on you. So father, fill us with your strength, fill us with your might uh, and let us just continue to grow deeper in our relationship with you and our trust in you. And um, Father, may you just do something mighty in and through us. So Father God, we say thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for your joy and your peace. Be with us as we go out today um, and uh, throughout the rest of the week. Help us to um, find a few people that we'll be able to invest in, uh, to continually build up your kingdom with strong believers and disciples, as well as just to add to your kingdom Uh, in the numbers. And um, so Jesus, you're at work. You're always here. You're with us and we're grateful for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, love you so much. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you back next week at the same time and um, hope you have a fantastic week. We'll see you guys later. Bye.